So here's an interesting dilemma. You have finally listened to that little voice that says you should do something different. You have a serious case of burnout and adrenal failure that had left you completely bedridden for a while and you're finally getting over it and trying to figure out how to really live the life that you wanna live instead of the life that you thought you should be living. And you decide you sell everything you own practically and you get out of your apartment and you are traveling around the world 12 places in 12 months. And you've, you're on the last leg of that. Um, you've already been to South America, you've already been to Asia, and next was Europe. So yeah, I guess you're in your third leg of it. And you're in Croatia, you're loving it, and the pandemic hits. And the company that has been planning your travel and your whole thing disappears overnight. You're told by your country, come home or you're going to be stranded. What the heck do you do? Well, this is a great story from Cindy Burkhart, who did exactly that. And it is a wonderful story of somebody learning to follow their heart and learning and planning to follow their heart and being smart about it and finding the finances to do it. And then of course, running into real life and running into all the crazy stuff that's going on in all of our lives. But what I love is the decision that she made just to stay. She was in Croatia and she says she walks down to the um, beach at dawn and she takes a dip in the water and then she comes home and she works and it's just reminds her of being at the shore where she grew up in Cape May, New Jersey. And she loves it and she's doing her photography and she's doing her stories about health and wellness that she's finding from everybody else. And it's all coming together, but in a very kind of kismity way. So for any of you who have that kind of, you know, wanderlust, and of course we all do now that we're all in lockdown, um, here's a great thing to think about for when this darn thing is over and we can travel. What's on your list? Where are you going? And how are you going to reinvent yourself? So here we go. So Cindy, I'm so glad to have you here. I love it. And you're, you're tele, what, teleporting in from split Croatia, right? Yep. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about you and how you ended up in this reinvention. I always like to go back and hear what people's history was when they grew up and, you know, did they grow up changing places all the time? Were they stuck in one place? Um, what's your history in terms of um, where you grew up and what you originally set out to do? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I grew up in Cape May, New Jersey, which is the seashore. Um, people think of Jersey Shore as that weird TV show, but we don't know who those people are, but it was just a really great place to grow up. And my brother and I rode bikes and we swam and, and all that good stuff. And then I was the first one in my family to leave home and go to college. And I went to Philadelphia, into Philadelphia College of Art, actually. And that was the first time that I really got out of a small town environment and experienced the city. And I really liked it. My family thought that was crazy. 
And I tried to explain, I liked it because it was so different than Cape May and everything I loved about the small town upbringing and everyone knowing each other was completely different because the city was just full of opportunity and all that stuff. So I went to school for photography and for graphic design, got my BFA, and then I went to New York, next big city, big challenge. And I found that I couldn't actually afford the photography jobs. That was the thing that I really loved and wanted to do. I was always into arts and always had a camera and loved photography. Like, it's been my passion ever since I was a kid. And when I got to New York, I just couldn't afford those jobs. And everyone laughs when I say that, but they know what I mean. It's kind of like I was going to be on a starving artist path, and that just wasn't really going to work. So I, got, I found myself working for creative agencies, and that took off onto a actually a pretty great corporate marketing career, <laughs> which was not in the plan, but that was the beginning of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go with this and see where this leads. And what I loved about it was it completely opened my world to business and marketing and how to create things professionally. And I met so many wonderful people and some really not so wonderful people. And I worked on these great projects and learned about um, like international companies and my world just opened up in a way that I was unaware of and that was great So it kind of really floated me for a long time um, And as much as I love the projects and, and whatnot, I Found myself one day not feeling really well This was several years into this career and I left work early and I went home and went to bed and I couldn't get up I was so exhausted I, I laid down, this was probably like noon or something. I said to our coordinator, I'm not feeling great, I gotta go. And at that time I was running like $100,000 campaigns. I had a team of people, I was traveling all over the place. I was putting in 60 plus hours a week. Um, I came home late at night after client dinners and lots of drinking and crashed and got up in the morning and went right back to work first thing. And lunch was whatever was brought in. And so I, this really kind of wore me down. And this one day when I went home tired, I didn't know any of that stuff, but I ended up being kind of um, paralyzed and I'm not trying to be dramatic. I literally couldn't move and I got really scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how I was going to even get up. I was wishing somebody would knock on my door or answer the, or ring my phone. And I thought I can't even get to the door or answer the phone. And much later on, like early evening, the phone rang. And I don't know how, but I, I managed to lift my arm and pick it up. And my brother, it was my brother, and he was teasing me like, what are you doing in bed at, you know, seven o'clock at night? And I started telling him like, I can't move. I can't get up. I don't even know how I picked up this phone. And he just stuck with me. He's like, you got to get up. You got to get up. You got, and he just like really tried to like encourage me and help me. And somehow I was able to sit up and then put one foot on the floor and then another foot on the floor, big breath. And then I stood up. So all that was really weird. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, but I knew something was wrong because leading up to that, I was having night sweats a lot. I was blacking out and I couldn't remember things. I was having a hard time reading. I kind of ignored all this. And even though I knew what was happening, it was just too weird and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I was busy. So I started seeing doctors and got lots of tests and all these other things continued. I was exhausted a lot of the time and it kind of got worse. I went from like, running these big jobs to like not being able to read like a newspaper. It was weird. It was like I had brain fog and couldn't make sense of things. And meanwhile, there's me who's sitting on the shoulder watching all this is like, what the hell is going on? So I proceeded to see all these doctors and everyone said, nope, your tests are fine. There's nothing wrong with you. 
And there was always the doctor who's like, are you sure you're not making that up? Which that just infuriated me. So I started to see all what we call at home alternate practitioners. And one thing led to the next. And I found that a much more receptive audience, people believed my story and they understood that something I needed to find something and each person led to the next. And ultimately it was a nutritionist who helped me. And he started telling me my symptoms and, and whatnot before I even, even told him. And I was like, thank goodness. So he gave me a very strict protocol on what I could eat. And of course told me to rest and some supplements that I should take. And I followed everything to the T and after months I started to get better. And that was a long road to recovery. It took a couple of years actually. And I remember saying to him, we were having a conversation. I referred to him as nutritionist. He says, I'm not really a nutritionist. I'm a biochemist nutritionist. And so we kind of had a conversation about how the food really was the thing that changed me. But all those, anyway, I took a leave of absence from work. I, I just couldn't work. I got that, that bad. Um, and what I had ultimately, we would call today adrenal fatigue. Um, basically, it's burnout <laughs> on a massive level because I really wasn't taking care of my body the way I needed to. And I didn't even know it. I was busy living the New York lifestyle, thinking, I'm just living the script. This is what you're supposed to do to be a woman in corporate America and in New York and get ahead in your career. And when I took a time off my leave of absence and I ultimately left for good, there was a lot of time when I laid in bed thinking about what the hell happened? What is this? This is like something weird you'd see on television. And I just started piecing together. I really neglected self-care and I never knew it. I never thought about it. And I didn't think it was that simple that I could say to you, self-care, we know what that means today in terms of everything we read about sleeping better and eating better and taking time off and time with family and friends, but it just wasn't on my radar. But the other thing that became glaringly apparent to me in, in all of this thinking was what am I going to do? This is the life that I know now. I've been years in this corporate world. I need to make a change. And that was the beginning of, I guess what we would now call a reinvention, but it was a sea change. I had to tour my whole life around. I thought, I can't go back to that lifestyle. And there were, there were a lot of things that made sense to me when I thought about what led up to a burnout. And it was stress. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of stress. Some I acknowledged, some I didn't. And just buried all of it, kept going. So that was the beginning of me thinking about what could be different. And I in the process of my healing, I went to nutrition school. And at first it was an expensive education, but I learned so much and I love that. And everything about healthcare that was not only normal and okay, but this is the thing that's gonna help me really get better and turn my life around in a much bigger way than I ever imagined. And then I started thinking, I wonder if I could inspire other people or help other people who were maybe living this like crazy overdrive, New York City lifestyle, not get sick. And so that began me looking at a health and wellness career as like a health coach. And I really liked that work. It really resonated with me a lot. I started meeting um, single people. I started in working with them. I started meeting groups and working with them. I had friends in gyms who were trainers. I did go to the gym a lot. So that um, was a good connection for me. And I'd help people through those connections. And as much as I love that work, there was there was still something nagging at me. I'm like, this is great, but there's still something else. There's something else I have to do or I should be doing. I'm not sure what that is, but let me keep looking. And anyway, I dove back into that. I started doing consultings and I was talking to companies about healthy campaigns. I'm like, well, maybe that's it. Maybe it is another version of corporate, but it's kind of in this health and wellness space. Nope, that wasn't it. And I was kind of feeling frustrated and not burned out, but feeling like, ah, what is it? 
suck, if you will. And then I went to the New York Times travel show, um, the Javits Center, and there was this one little booth talking about traveling the world. And all this time that I'd been working, I had been traveling. And like I said in the beginning, photography was the thing that I always loved to do. But all those years, it was in the background. I kept doing it. I would travel and take pictures. I would have photography shows. I would sell my work. I had a website. All this great stuff. But it was always in the background. So this New York Times travel show talked about um, traveling abroad for a year. And I don't know what it was. I couldn't get that out of my head. And something in that really resonated with me. And I thought, you know what? This could be the opportunity to get out of where I'm at right now, travel for a year. The idea was 12 countries in 12 months, and I'm going to figure out what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. And I know I have a passion for photography. I'm really loving this work in health and wellness, but there's got to be more. Maybe there's a way to combine them. I have no idea what that means. I'm going to figure this out. And I couldn't get this out of my head. It was like, this opportunity found me and I knew that it was going to happen. I didn't even really decide just intuitively. I knew it was going to happen. And so I proceeded to take a couple of months to go through my apartment. I sold pretty much everything I owned because I didn't care about it. It was just stuff. And everything I sold, I thought that's going to give me more space in my head and in my heart and free me up to go. And that's exactly what happened. And I also thought if I want to move and get unstuck, I got to create movement. So I literally moved stuff out of my apartment and then I moved out of my apartment and the year went from there. And it was an amazing opportunity that I felt like I opened myself up to the universe to say, what if, and that idea of instead of telling the universe what you want, asking the universe what it has in store for you resonated with me a hundred percent because I couldn't have, come up with this had I been trying to like beat my head against the wall and figure things out. It, it, it happened for me. So it's kind of a long version of, um, well, actually you just asked me where I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's good story. That's unbelievable. That's incredible. What kind of went, so I'm really sorry about that. No, it's perfect. It's fantastic. So tell me how you planned <clears throat> what you were going to spend and how you put aside for that. Did you take all the money from selling all your stuff and put it aside? And did you make yourself a map again? Because this is something people dream of. I know that Jeff and I had thought of doing this when we were both done. We thought, you know, we don't know where we want to go live next. So we had made ourselves a map of 12 different places. We might spend a month to go live to see if they were, places we were really seriously interested in moving to. But we kind of made it by, we made a map by um, weather because we hate cold weather. So we were following the warm weather around <laughs> wherever we wanted to go. We didn't end up doing that, but we'd actually mapped it all the way out. And that was something we were considering. So did you, did you do that? Or what, how did you figure out the 12 places and why 12? The idea of 12 places in 12 months kind of resonated with me because then I knew I had a fixed amount of time um, to, to figure out what I was going to do. And I can, I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But I also worked with an organization that are called Remote Year and they put together programs like this for people and they appeal a lot to digital nomads. And I wasn't trying to be a digital nomad. I wasn't seeking my tribe. It wasn't anything like that. But here was a company that was putting together trips like this and they offered a four month trip and a 12 month. And to me, I thought, 
I can't really see going away for four months and then coming back to this little apartment and picking up whatever I was doing and really making a difference. But a year, that appealed to me. So that just kind of fell into place for me. And the way that they chose the 12 places was they were looking at places that were kind of like really wired cities. So people who were digital nomads and were doing a lot of remote work for their companies could easily have internet access. And then they were kind of, it was a mix of cities and small towns. So people would have access to, to, to get around and have resources like a workspace, for example. Um, if they were needing a place, not a cafe, but you know, like a regular workspace where they could make calls and have internet access and make prints and stuff like that for their companies back at home, wherever that might be. So they were really instrumental in doing all the logistics of that trip. And I did look at all the places that they were going um, just to make sure they kind of gelled with my thinking too. And the way they set it out was the first um, four months was in South America. Um, we were in Chile, Peru, Colombia, and Mexico City. And then the next four months were in Asia. And we started out in Vietnam and then went to Thailand, Japan, and then uh, Malaysia. And then the next four months were going to be over in Europe. And so the first country in Europe was Croatia. That's where I landed. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so I didn't actually get to figure to finish out the full 12 months of travel because then COVID hit and the company basically canceled the program. So you were literally abandoned over there. <laughs> you're, you're just totally, the rug was pulled out from under you. The rug, so here's the difference. Yes. <laughs> the rug was pulled out from under me by the travel company because there was one week there, it was like the second week in March, where every day something was happening. The CDC puts out a level advisory. The United States put out a travel advisory. Then eventually there was the United States put out a level four travel advisor. And it was apparent that the company could not go on with the program. It just wasn't sustainable for them because they toyed around ideas with how to stay for in one month for one place. Now it's two months, this and that. And they completely abandoned the program and everyone basically was needed to figure out what their next steps were. And I read the U.S. government travel advisory that said, okay, come home now at this time, come home now or be prepared to stay where you're at for an indefinite period of time. And I literally laughed out loud when I saw that because I thought, okay, indefinite period of time just means I can come home someday. I just don't know when. It doesn't mean never. And I just kind of laughed about it. I'm like, I'm staying. And I thought it's kind of dangerous to travel at this point because I would have to take three airplanes and four airports and then probably shelter at home. I'm like, there's too much risk. But something inside me, I didn't actually really decide any of this. Something inside me said to stay. It's like when you hear the little voice, you know, when you're supposed to listen to the little voice of your intuition or your soul or whatever it is. And the little voice was little, but it was loud. And I thought, I don't know, this just feels right. In the same way that taking this trip, it was just within me. I'm like, I don't know, I think I should do this. So I just easily said, yeah, I'm going to stay. So even though the travel company left, I like to think that I'm not exactly stuck in split because I chose to be here. <laughs> wow. So what do you do about a visa and all that? Are you okay? I mean, and so tell us a little bit about your life over there now, which is really great. Yeah. So the visa was good for three months. So we had 90 day visa. So that took me to the end of May. And then as COVID just proceeded to go on and there was kind of like no end in sight, um, the government here said we will tolerate quote unquote overstayers <laughs> because of the pandemic. And so I'm allowed to continue staying here. And the government has 
um, an accommodation for people whose visa runs out and whatnot. And then there are different residency programs um, that the, the country has anyway, which like anybody would want to come here and apply for like a year residency or two years or five years or things like that. And they have different temporary residencies where we can apply for to stay. And you just let the police station know where you're at. You do some paperwork. And I did all that. And I'm planning to stay here as long as possible because I really like it here. And I actually feel kind of guilty saying that because where Split is in Croatia, it's the middle of the country and it's right on the shore. Um, it's a pretty long coastline here. And it's so Oh, similar to Cape May where I grew up and that's very much part of my heart and, and dear to my heart. So I have about a 10 minute walk down to the water. It's the Adriatic Sea, which is part of the Mediterranean. And so I get up just like I used to do at home in New York, get up at the crack of dawn, go out for a walk, go out for a workout. Now it's warm enough to swim in the sea and then come back and, you know, have my, have my work day. But I really enjoy it here and the weather's nice. It's really similar to the Jersey Shore. So it kind of really resonates with me on that level as well. And Croatia had very few COVID cases because they put lockdown measures and restrictions in place really early and everybody followed them and now they're pretty safe. So I think I got lucky. Wow. Oh my God. And when I think about if you'd been called back, you would have been standing in those horrific lines that got everybody sick. Remember those? I don't know if you saw those pictures yeah. when all, when he put that, you know, that ban in place and everybody thought they were going to have to come home and like, thousands of people were standing for eight, six hours, 10 hours in lines at all the airports because they were all trying to get back before everything got closed down, which created a super spreader event for everybody horrible. Well, even though it was new to the U.S., I kind of had a feeling it was going to be a little bigger than what people were saying just by virtue of being out here because in January I was in Japan and we kind of started to hear about it. And then me going from Japan to Korea to Malaysia, I was wearing a mask when I was traveling and a lot of people were, and they were checking our passports to see where we had been. So understanding from my own travels that it was a little bit bigger than just some isolated cases, um, that also gave me pause to evaluate what would be the right thing to do. And that kind of helped my decision too, I think. So what do you do for work now? Are you doing just your regular work? You're just doing it from abroad or... How do, you, how do you put yourself together that way? And I want to hear a little bit also, I'm sure everybody does, about the other countries that you traveled to, maybe because we don't have tons of time, but love to hear a little bit about where you, you know, what you thought was the most interesting and why. Yeah, so I'll just tell you quickly that my plan for coming on this trip was not to just get out of my life. It was to do the work that I wanted to do on nobody's terms. So I decided I'm going to do photography and I'm going to do health and wellness. In each one of these countries, I'm going to find stories about health and wellness, which is not, I hurt my elbow, I went to the doctor. How do people there take care of themselves differently than what we do in the United States? And I'm going to create visual stories because that's what I, one of the things I like to do when I would travel before, would just take a lot of pictures of stuff. And I'm like, well, this is going to be focused. It's like I'm going to have my own self-funded, self-directed year-long project what does health and wellness look like in these different places? So as soon as I landed, I found people, I had conversations, one thing led to the next, I'd meet people, find out what they were doing. And that was a hoot in itself. I mean, in Colombia, I met a curandera, and that's some people would call a curandera a witch. Other people would call her a shaman, but it's very well known in Latin America, and she's a healer, and she has her own processes with 
herbs and baths, or maybe she'll do something like a ceremony around you with eggs. <laughs> and so in the course of meeting her and talking to her, she told me her life story. and It was incredibly fascinating. She really opened up. And then when we were finished, she said, okay, it's time for your reading. I was like, okay. One of the ways that she helps people is when she has an initial conversation with them, she will do a reading just to kind of get her own sense of where they're at to start a conversation to, to begin whatever treatment she's going to do. So she pulled out a little suitcase with all these colored pencils and a notepad. And she looked at me. Um, she only spoke Spanish, by the way. I had a translator. So everything she was saying came to me from a translator. And she started drawing all these pictures. And then she would say what she saw in me. And that was probably another hour and a half. I spent like the entire afternoon with this woman. So I kept having experiences like this where when I met people, um, inevitably, they would offer me to try their healing modality. Um, in Japan, I met a Reiki master. And I know that we don't have a lot of time, so I'll make it quick. Anyway, we, it was an interesting conversation, and it raised way more questions than what giving answers. She's like, you know what? I can't really um, explain to you any differently. Why don't you jump on my table, and I'll show you what Reiki is. So I kept having these experience of these different modalities with these people, and every single time, there was a point where I stopped asking questions. I just surrendered to it, and each I just felt it. I allowed myself to be vulnerable on their table or in their space and just allowed it to come into my body and felt it. And that was the greatest learning experience of all. So I've got photographs of these countries that I've been to, like a lot of them. And I've got these stories that I've written about all these people and their modalities and they're illustrated with photos. And this was the work that I was doing. And again, I thought, I'm gonna figure out what this trip is about for me and what I'm doing. And at a certain point, I'm gonna figure out how to parlay this into the next iteration of my life. And this is the reinvention finally, because photography's part of it. And that's where I'm at right now, very much on the ground floor, feeling this and, and figuring it out. So I still got way more questions and answers, but I just feel like I'm in the right place. Sounds like it's a book or a website or both. Sounds like, you know, maybe there, maybe you start with a website. Yeah. Have you got a website up in? Oh yeah, I have my website up and each country, I wrote the story while I was in the country because then I had to move on to the next one. I wasn't going to save it till the end. And I'm building out the photo galleries now because I shot way more than just these stories that I was on. Diff lots of different experiences I had in the, in the countries. And actually a couple people have mentioned um, a book, so I would be crazy not to do one. But the work in health and wellness keeps me on track with my own health and wellness. And I really like that. And the fact that I can possibly still inspire people is kind of important to me. So I'd like to figure out another way to carry on some aspect of what I'm doing, but more on a, a business level where I can have a, a bigger impact with people or some kind of impact. And same with photography. I think showing people visually connects, connects a lot. And I've always found that through, throughout all of this is the connections with people for me that make the difference. And I think that's probably the way I want to inspire people is through connections with people and not just me and people, but me connecting other people maybe to these different places that I've been to because I think that creates more understanding and awareness and better feelings, you know, when you can actually connect with people on some kind of a human level. So these stories are not meant to be reportage. Um, although I am talking about things that I found, they're meant to be more approachable and just girl's journey, I guess. 
And what would you say for your health has been the biggest eye-opener that you've found? Have you found things that, I mean, it sounds like you were able to recover before, but do you, have you found new things that are helpful or products and people and all that stuff? I found that even though it took me a couple years to recover, part of it was physical, part of it was emotional, I had to keep, well, I had to keep paying attention because I needed to be sure that I was honoring my body and not slipping back into old patterns of working really hard and neglecting myself. So finding time to meditate was something that I never did before. I thought it was a little woo-woo and <laughs> I kind of brushed it off. But that was something that I incorporated into my life a lot more than I ever thought that I would have. And I find that I got really centered there. And it keeps me not only on track with my own wellness, so to speak, but a certain spirituality that I think helps me to be a better person all the time. And as much as I can think about health from the perspective of being quiet and listening to what my body needs, I find that little things come up for me. So it's kind of like I'm always building. Um, sleep is important, but I, sometimes I get busy and I don't always honor the fact that I need a certain amount of, of sleep and then it catches up with me and I remember like, okay. So sometimes it's really just paying attention to the basics and I think about food every single day, partially because I love it <laughs> and I love trying all kinds of stuff in all these countries, but also um, ever, ever since that, that, that doctor helped me, he just really opened my eyes about how important whatever I put in my mouth is to my well-being and again it's i don't even have to make a lot of decisions it's just easy i know what to do and i know what makes me feel good so things just build on each other and then trying to find some kind of balance in all of that um certainly finding these different modalities and getting to experience them like reiki in the country where it's from and corandera who's from latin america they had they had probably a bigger impact on me than I realized because they're not just things to read about now that I've experienced them. I probably have a lot more um, value for what experiences like that can offer. So when we call them alternative in the United States and other places, sometimes calling them complementary, where they sit alongside Western medicine may be a better way to look at it. So I have a lot more respect for these things um, just purely because I tried them and I know about them. So what would you say, Cindy, because we're coming up at the end here, if you're going to advise a good buddy about doing what you did, which I think is the dream of just packing it all up and hitting the road, what would you say besides don't make sure there's no pandemic in your future? <laughs> right? But other than that, other than that one big stopper, um, what would you, what would tips and tricks would you give people who might dream about doing what you do? So I, I'm going to answer that in two ways. Partially this pandemic kind of worked out in my favor because, <laughs> so even though I wouldn't wish a pandemic on someone, like we just said, I had an opportunity to do something completely different. I mean, what if my year ended, which would be now, and I was going to go back to the United States. I have an opportunity. I've always said, I want to live abroad. I listen, the advice is listen to the little voice. You have to really slow down. You really have to stop trying to figure things out, even though I'm still trying to figure out what my next life is going to be and find a way to be quiet, get deep inside and listen to what it is that you really want. 
I knew that I wanted a different life. I even asked for it, you know, at, you know, at, at night, you know, when I was in my bed trying to think about what if. I didn't know what that meant. And here a pandemic stopped me in my tracks and a little voice said, stay. So it's a silver lining that I would have never expected. But I think because I listened and I was open to listening to the little voice, but then also following it, there's plenty of times when I've got a hit of intuition or a little voice and didn't follow it and pretty much regretted it. And you can apply that to any kind of question in life. So me, it's really listen and be honest with yourself intuitively and just listen, listen for the answer. Don't try and figure things out. Um, I did use, and, and you do want to have some cash when you go. I did have some money saved up. So I tapped into a savings account to do this, but this, I, I figured out a way to do this. That was also a lot less than living in New York. So I really was clear on my numbers and what I had and what I could do. And certainly selling all that stuff that was just stuff and I didn't need added to the kitty that I had to go away with. And to me, that was the biggest bonus of going away was that I, would, I could afford it. I'm not living a big swing in life, but I got to travel to all these places and I got to meet a bunch of people and I got to do the work that I love. So I don't really need to go traipsing around 12 different countries and like living the luxury life. I feel like it's a luxurious life just because I'm here and I'm meeting these great people and I'm having experiences that have a heartfelt meaning to me. So that was the way I, I chose to go away. It wasn't to just be yeehawing for a year. It was to go away with intention and with purpose. And that's what has made it for me. And I believe that that's also what is making it great <laughs> under a pandemic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. What a great story. Incredible story. And um, I'll let everybody know that we're, because you're on our, our Monday uh, positive morning calls, the whole group there wants to come visit in split. So we're actually, <laughs> just so you all know, we're, you know, for when the pandemic is over and, and we're hoping that Cindy's still there. Um, we're actually trying to figure out, can we plan a Covey trip over there? Because it sounds absolutely amazing and a lot of fun. And, oh, I'll um, figure out a way. I'll yeah, figure out no, a way. And I'm going to help you do it. hundred yep. <laughs> percent. Cindy's working on it. Yep. And um, so thank you, Cindy. I so appreciate it. And everybody here who has that dream really appreciates it. And thank you. hopefully they will be able to figure out what their dream is and listen to that little voice. I think that's a great bit of advice. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I can tell you my website too. And I oh, yes. Do, 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 do. Yes. It's www.photo-diaries.com. Great. And I have a blog. There's a project page that talks all about this 12 countries in 12 months work. And I'm building the photo galleries right now. So I'd love people to check it out and comment if you'd like and share it and all that. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. They will all come and check it out. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Thank you too. I really appreciate um, you inviting me on the podcast and just having some special time this afternoon to, to talk to you. Great. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Cindy Burkhardt, and I hope you enjoyed Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. If you did, I hope you'll subscribe. Leave us some stars, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. That's always wonderful. Please share us with anybody you think needs inspiration. That would be fantastic. 
And I hope you'll come over and check out CoveyClub.com. We have all kinds of resources for you from written stories that are all original to fabulous original webinars. We run about five a week that will help you with everything from getting your LinkedIn up and working properly to how to diet and how to brand yourself and how to use the things you learned in corporate to move you towards whatever your next uh, gig is, be it entrepreneurism or finding your next job. We know you're in transition and we want you to make the best of that transition. We love transition. It's a time of growth and self-discovery. And we have the group of like-minded women who will help you with that. So I hope you'll come in and join us and come visit us at coveyclub.com. And until next time, this is Leslie Jane Seymour.